1: Whole Foods Market celebrates Earth Month with the Do Something Real Film Festival, a collection of six provocative character-driven films focused on food, environmental issues, and everyday people with a greater vision. Come see one of the six features at City Cinemas Village East from Saturday, April 16th through Thursday, April 21st, every night at 6 p.m learn more about the films and special events at www.dosomethingreal.com. That's www.dosomethingreel.com Sponsored by Whole Foods Market.
2: Good Monday to you, and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Anne Saxelvey. My co-host is Sophie Schlesinger, and today we are continuing our State of Cheese series with a trip to North Carolina, home of James Taylor, (laughs) appropriate for our theme music, and um, in doing a little bit of research, Sophie actually uncovered that the state beverage of North Carolina is milk. Yes. So, you know, this seems like a very, very, uh, it's going to be a riveting state of cheese on Cutting the Curd. Um, So, Portia, are you with us? I am. Thank you so much for taking time out to be on the show.
3: I'm delighted to do that. It was great to hear James Taylor on the radio there. (laughs) I was thrilled. Um, And I'm also happy to learn that the state beverage is milk. I did not know that.
2: Yes, I think it was
3: decided in 1987. Mm. I'm pretty sure. At least that's what Wikipedia said. Well, I'm a little embarrassed not to have known
2: that. (laughs) I don't know what the state beverage of New York is. Yeah, I
3: don't know either. It Uh, probably isn't as wholesome
2: as milk, though.
3: (laughs) I feel better then.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So can you tell tell us a little bit about um, Chapel Hill Creamery and how you got started and what kind of cheeses you make there? Sure. Uh, My partner, Florence
3: Hawley, and I started Chapel Hill Creamery 10 years ago. And we're here in the Triangle area of North Carolina. We milk about 30 Jersey cows. We make a variety of cheeses. We started out intending to provide a local uh, market with a variety of cheeses. And so our, our initial plan was to start out with fresh mozzarella, which we would sell at the farmer's markets locally, and then branch out into other cheeses to sell primarily at farmer's markets. So that's how we began, and over time, we've continued to maintain a fairly wide variety, probably a little wider than is actually smart, because it inhibits our efficiency to some extent, but it's an awful lot of fun.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And uh,
3: we're we're starting to focus on a couple of our cheeses a little bit more and, and distributing a little more broadly.
2: Now, um, so that's interesting. So the farmer's market model was always your your model for how you wanted to sell your cheeses. Yes. Well, and I feel like that's, a, in a way, then, I, I feel like a lot of cheesemakers we talk to, if you're selling at market, it is a challenge because your customers want variety.
3: Yes, they do. Um, I, I think we're a little spoiled here in the United States because we expect so many different products all times of the year. Right. So we we expect to go into the stores in December and find strawberries. And, of course, um, we can find them, but they're from quite a distance away, and they're not part of the local agricultural scene that, that we feel committed to.
2: Well that's interesting because well I feel like in in Europe um you know more so than other places probably whole regions are kind of defined by maybe one or two or three different kinds of cheese that are made there um and yeah it's very I feel like it is sort of an American you know phenomenon that um a small creamery would make 10 12 even 15 different kinds of cheese
3: Yeah we we um we don't really have the tradition behind our food in a lot of ways that, that there is in Europe. And so um, we're, we're actually in the process of creating our own traditions.
2: Absolutely. And so is there any cheese that's kind of, uh, that the, you know, the South or North Carolina was known for at some point?
3: Not really. People would put milk out and, and you'd have clabber and, you know, maybe make some cottage cheese. Mm-hmm. and maybe make butter and have buttermilk. But uh, we, we don't have that kind of rich tradition of, um, of cheese making that uh, other parts of the world have.
2: And so can you, can you tell me, I mean, I've heard the term clabber before, and I, sh- I feel like it's something I should know, but what, what exactly is clabber?
3: Well, um, when you put milk out in the atmosphere, there are bacteria everywhere. And most of those bacteria really like milk. And what they effectively do in the milk is they turn lactose in milk into lactic acid. And as that process continues, when the milk reaches a certain acidity, it will start to make a weak curd. Mm-hmm. And that's clabber.
2: Ah, okay. And so how would people traditionally eat it? Is it something that you just have for breakfast um, with a little bit of fruit or with a little... You know,
3: I, you know, I'm not really sure about that. I think you can continue to let the process go on, and you can get more whey in a, a little stronger curd set. But um, I, I have to admit, I've never really eaten clabber. That maybe would be... maybe uh, Steve will know on the next segment.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the clabber mystery continues. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Um,
3: but I bet an alert reader will, or alert listener will call you up and let you know. <laughs>
2: I hope so. Yeah, if anyone out there listening knows about Claver, give us a call. Yeah, call <laughs> or email us at info at heritageradionetwork.com. We can do that too. Um, so we were talking about the different varieties of cheese that you sell. Um, and what is your most popular variety?
3: It really varies depending on the time of year. In the heat of summer, Almost half of our milk is devoted to fresh mozzarella. Now, we grow great tomatoes here in North Carolina, and we make a great fresh mozzarella to go with those tomatoes. We make a cultured mozzarella, which is a little bit different from the store-bought mozzarella you'll find. Most of the mozzarellas that you'll find in grocery stores and almost all the fresh mozzarella, even in specialty stores, is a directly acidified mozzarella. To make mozzarella, you stretch the curd. The curd is only stretchable at a certain acidity, and you can get to that acidity in two different ways. One way, and the easy way, is to add acid to the curd, to the milk, until it reaches the proper pH, put rennet in, cut the curd, separate the curds and whey, and you've got a stretchable curd. What we do is, is a little different. It's a longer, more traditional process. We put culture in the milk. The culture works on the milk to make acid and flavor over time, and I'm talking about a matter of hours here. And when we uh, reach the proper acidity, we pull the curd out of the way, we stop that process, and we stretch the mozzarella at that point.
2: Wow! And so, and you stretch it all by hand?
3: We actually don't anymore. We were spending hours—good
2: for you guys—hours <laughs>
3: and hours every week stretching mozzarella, and. We just couldn't do it anymore. I'm it's sure I'm sure your biceps
2: and triceps were fabulous, yes. but
4: it, yeah,
3: <laughs> there, there are some things that a machine can do very well, and this is one of them. So that's what we do now. We've been uh, stretching by machine for a couple of years. So that's, that's the cheese that we sell the most of in the summertime. At other times of the year, it can vary. We make a a chemo bear that we call Carolina Moon. And it's one of our most popular cheeses, particularly in the fall, around Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, we sell a tremendous amount of this Carolina Moon. We have, make a, a Trappist-style cheese called Hickory Grove, and it makes the world's best grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this cheese is one that, that we just sell tremendous amounts of in the uh, fall, And in the early spring, it's a very buttery cheese with a a natural, lightly washed rind. And it melts beautifully. It's got a lacy texture. And um, we're quite proud of it.
2: Now, is that the one that's made in like a basket mold?
3: No, actually, I think you're thinking of our Dairyland Farmer's Cheese. Um, A a farmer's cheese can refer to any fresh cheese, really. You know, you make make the wheel... Stop it. Don't age it. It's a fresh cheese. It's farmer's cheese. A lot of farmer's cheese is, is kind of in a tube, and it's crumbly. Ours we make into about a half-pound wheel in a basket mold, and we call it Dairyland farmer's cheese because Dairyland Road runs right past our house, and um, it's a, you can really taste the wonderful Jersey milk in this cheese. It's got a buttery flavor. It's tangy. It's really clean and refreshing kids really like it kids of all ages (laughs) and i think that's the one you're thinking of
2: Okay, yeah, I was lucky enough um to have somebody bring me a piece of your cheese at my shop once and I'm trying to trace back and figure out which one it was. Mm, okay. It was it, it seemed like it might have been the grilled cheese cheese, but I I remember it having sort of a baskety pattern on the outside, so maybe I'm maybe I'm just confusing two different cheeses.
3: Mm, the 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 farmer's cheese is a fresh cheese and I wouldn't so much use that for a grilled cheese. The other one that it could be is um our Asiago. we make an Asiago Oh, I
2: think that was it, yeah
3: It's, um, we age that one a minimum of six to seven months And it, uh, well, what I tell customers at the farmer's market is you bite it, it bites you back <laughs> it, it does have that, uh, that real piquant uh, flavor of, right. of Italy's Asiago
2: That is, yeah, no, that had to have been the one. It's so funny as I'm asking you this question, I feel you probably get this all the time too, but it's, I've never been on the customer side of it where I'm asking, I had this great cheese once, you know, and I can't remember the name. I'm I'm used to fielding that question like 20, 30 times a day, but
3: Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, when I'm dealing with a handful of cheeses at my farmer's market, and they came and they bought a cheese, and it's probably one of eight cheeses, right. so I can field that question usually, but um, you may have more trouble with than that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Portia, I was wondering, you had mentioned earlier about kind of American food tradition, and I lived in the South for a few years, and I always kind of appreciated it. I felt like there was maybe a bit of a stronger food tradition there than where I grew up in the mid-Atlantic. And are there any southern dishes that are kind of great for cheese, or how do you suggest uh, people people use their cheese when they purchase it from you at the market?
3: Um, you know, we, we feed our staff lunch here at the farm, and one of our favorite things, to make is grits. Oh, yeah. So we make a lot of grits and we'll put cheese in the grits or we might uh, caramelize some onion and put that on the grits and then crumble up some smoked farmer's cheese and put on top of that. Um, so that that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, of course, there, there you can't beat a wonderful grilled cheese sandwich, That's and true. our hickory grove is the one that I always would like to use for a grilled cheese sandwich. There are a couple of examples for you. That
2: sounds good. And do you like to dress up your grilled cheese sandwiches at all? Do you put any other any other elements in there or is it just the purest cheese and bread and butter?
3: no i, I like I like some chili Ooh. cheese and chili That's that sounds good. can't beat that
2: absolutely. <laughs>
3: Sometimes I'll put put some ham in it, ham, grilled ham and cheese right.
2: Also delicious <laughs> Well um, just we only have a, a minute or two left to, um, uh, to chat unfortunately, but I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about the lay of the land of where your farm is and, and sort of what the landscape is like around you guys.
3: Yes um, We're in the triangle area of North Carolina and that is defined by high land prices. So we people pay a lot of money per acre. Or land here. Now, we were fortunate enough to be able to get 37 acres, which is, you know, we wish we had more. The soil here is quite clayey. It doesn't mm-hmm. drain tremendously well, but it can be very, uh, it can hold a lot of nutrients right. if it's treated right. Um, So our particular land has, we have a lot of pine trees around. We have some rolling hills. We have two ponds. We have three different pasture areas. The two best pasture areas closest to the barn and the milking parlor, we plant in annuals because the annuals will produce the most forage for the cows. And we have a backup pasture that we have a perennial Uh, mix in so that we can use that when the annuals are between seasons
0: Hmm.
4: Hmm.
3: we've got a lot of oak trees and of course we have a lot of hickory groves or hickories because we've named our cheese hickory grove
2: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Oh well, I would love to um, keep chatting, but unfortunately, we've already come to that halfway point in the show. Um, So we're just going to have to have you back on the show at a later at a later time, if that's okay with you. Sounds great. It's been a lot of
4: fun. someone to understand my ups and downs. There you were, with sweet love and emotion, deeply touching my emotion. I want to stop, thank you baby, I want to stop, and thank you baby, yes I do. How oh, sweet so fine How sweet it is to be loved by you I close my eyes at night
2: We are back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. My co host today is Sophie Schlesinger, and we are talking about the state of cheese in North Carolina. Our first guest was Portia McKnight of Chapel Hill Creamery, who brought about an interesting, uh, I don't know, a little interesting tidbit. Um, she mentioned that in the South there was a tradition of eating clabber. Which is essentially like a soured, um, a soured milk product, and um, I I realized that I personally didn't know very much about it. Heard of it? Yeah, I feel like it's one of those sort of um, interesting, sort of fermented food products that's kind of gone by the (laughs) (laughs) gone by the wayside a little bit. (laughs) Um, But you know, it's funny. Pretty much every culture in the world has a tradition of eating very simple. Fresh, um, freshly fermented—if um, that can be—if that can be a, a term—milk um, uh, dishes. And so we did a little bit of research on clabber, and we found that um, it's a—it's made by basically allowing unpasteurized milk to curdle on its own, uh, which takes place um, as Portia was mentioning over the course of you know a number of hours, even overnight. And um, so as it as it thickens and curdles, it, it attains kind of a yogurt like consistency. Um, And uh, when we did a little research on it, um, it said that in rural areas of the South, people used to eat it for breakfast with brown sugar, nutmeg, and cinnamon, or or sometimes a little bit of molasses, sometimes uh, a little bit of a sweetener. Um, Or some people ate it a little bit more in a savory way with uh, black pepper um, and a little bit of cream poured on top, uh, as if the (laughs) raw milk itself weren't rich enough. Um, And so uh, it says that Clabber was actually brought to the south by Scottish people who settled in the Appalachian Mountains. Um, And it's uh, actually sort of a a relative of the Scottish uh, clotted cream known as Bonnie Clabber. Um, So uh, this is a pretty, I don't know, pretty direct descendant from uh, the Scottish people who settled there. Who knew in the South? I know. In the United the, States. They brought all kinds of good stuff. They actually brought um, uh, the tradition of um, fiddle, fiddling, and mm-hmm. old-time yeah. music as well. Um, so, yeah, the Appalachian Mountains have a really, really strong uh, Scottish heritage And so clabber apparently, you know, was part of it. Um, And now it says it's actually kind of difficult to come across because um, unless you're dealing with unpasteurized milk, it's sort of a difficult product uh, to make. Um, Pasteurized milk basically doesn't have all the good friendly microbes you would need to let it, um, you know, sour to a pleasing effect. (laughs) (laughs) So you would have to add um, a little bit of buttermilk or sour cream to your milk if you wanted to try to make clabber. But there you go. We're gonna have to. Yeah. We're gonna have to try it. Make some for breakfast this weekend. Exactly. Round up some unpasteurized milk somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So, thank you. This has been uh, an episode of Cutting the Curd, dedicated to the state of cheese in North Carolina. Uh, we chatted with Portia McKnight of Chapel Hill Creamery, and um, we do want to also mention that uh, if you are if you are hungering for cheesy, uh, more cheesy knowledge and uh, and adventures of any kind, Sakselby Cheesemongers has put together our first uh, day away trip of the season, which we would love for you all a- to uh, attend. Um, our day away trips are designed to get um, cheese lovers out of the city and out to the farms where cheese is being made and where local agriculture is happening. So the first trip is on Saturday, May 7th. It's from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and we're going to be headed out to the North Fork of Long Island where we're going to be eating some local goat cheese from Catapano Dairy um, and then visiting Bedell Sellers Vineyard, uh, which is a really wonderful winery out there, and also um, the Noank, aquaculture preserve, um, which is a, uh, a sort of, um, a place dedicated to growing oysters and rehabilitating the oyster population in the Peconic Bay. Um, so we're going to do oysters, cheese, and wine. It's going to be really, Sounds really good. delicious. <laughs> yep. Um, so if you're interested, uh, tickets are $125 and you can register online at saxelbycheese.com. Uh, Thanks again for being with us and we will see you next Monday for another episode of Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening.
4: Hey girls, won't you gather? what I've been down yeah, baby, I'm, your I'm not the kind to use a pencil
1: to... The following message has been brought to you by Fairway Market. What's the buzz about honey? Well, those busy little bees are up to something and it is delicious. The fairway label honey is superb. Fairway only hires worker bees that are the best at what they do. This makes for a great-tasting, high-quality honey at an amazing value with the Fairway stamp of approval. And on top of being delicious, honey is a great substitute for other sweeteners and can even benefit your health. This includes better energy, respiratory improvements, and balanced blood sugar levels. It's a no-brainer. Get your Fairway honey today. The following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. The Snacky Tunes compilation has arrived and is available for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com. This compilation features live performances from some of the hottest acts around today, including Midnight Magic, Surfer Blood, Overhopper, and more. Again, you can download this compilation for free on our website, heritageradionetwork.com, and make sure to listen to Snacky Tunes every Monday at 2 p.m., on Heritage Radio Network.